You're listening to Mission Lab. Mission Lab. From our living new man, Ben Here's our parents, Sean and Camille Brace. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Mission Lab. Thanks for joining me this week. This time, I am excited to have a longtime friend of mine on the show. Uh, literally, probably one of the first persons I ever met. Um, well, actually, I'm a few years older than him, so one of the first persons he ever met, probably. Um, <laughs> Chris, how, Chris how, how old are you? I Oh, man. <laughs> Put you on I, the spot here. They, yeah, you were well, expecting you know, that to be the first question, were you? Yeah, I was just talking to my boss today about how, um, you know, a couple of weeks I'm going to be 38, and how I like Whoa. literally in like the last probably two, three years, I'm just like, whoa, like I'm old, like, <laughs> and like it's just yeah. it's really annoying. Like, and I, I like I've never <laughs> been one of those people that's like, oh man, like. You know, I'm getting yeah. old, like I'm just one of those ages and number, you know, whatever. It doesn't even matter. Now I'm just like, man, there's like <laughs> so many things I haven't accomplished. You know, <laughs> like, like, Oh man, I know. still picture you as like 15, like yeah. me as well, of course. But yeah. So anyway, well, with all that said, what a great <laughs> way to enter the conversation. This is my longtime friend, Chris Ergang. You may recognize that name, uh, as the name that comes at the end of the podcast each week where my little daughter, Acadia, says that additional editing by Chris Ogang. And that is this <laughs> man behind the microphone. I have to just share a few things about Chris before uh, before he shares a little bit about himself. But yeah, like I said, Chris and I have known each other basically our whole lives. Our parents are like the best of friends. My dad used to pastor uh, the church where, uh, his parents are church members to this very day. Mm -hmm. So yeah, we used to make forts together, play guitar mm -hmm. together. And, um, Chris is the reason I'm going to say almost the <laughs> exclusive reason why this podcast exists. Yeah. Chris, uh, yeah, he was, he was nagging me for a few years. You gotta, you gotta do a podcast and and finally, he actually sent me the equipment to do it. And so I'm like, well, I got to do it. So here we go. So Chris, thank you so much for all of the inspiration. And uh, thank you for being on the show with me. Yeah, no, I'm excited about this. I mean, it's, it's funny because like, it was kind of passive aggressive. Like, hey, I'm just going to send you the equipment and just uh, go ahead. <laughs> you know, if you want to try to do it, just go ahead and do it, you know. But uh, yeah. no, I, I'm so glad that you've done it. And it's it's been a real blessing in my life. And I'm glad it's like mm -hmm. kind of been out there. I, I have a huge commute. Like, well, not huge. It's, you know, about an hour, you know, every day. And I've had mm -hmm. that for the last like probably 12 years. So I'm like huge into podcasts. And I just thought like we need people like you talking about things, you know, like, it's just great to have that. So that was That's the main awesome. reason. And yeah. And I know you've done some podcasting yourself, um, done a few shows here and there. Are you still doing anything like that on, on your own? So, uh, you know, when I was in Philly, we had a really uh, vibrant community of like young people there. And, um, we did like a couple pilots, um, nothing that I was really excited about putting out there. It was like a really <laughs> fun experience. And like, mm -hmm. I loved it. I did it with my friend, uh, Justin McLaughlin and, uh, Jason Vanderlaan. 
and um, mm-hmm. we we just had a blast doing it, and then never released it. So it was kind of like a <laughs> it was a fun thing to do, but uh, there you, go. you know, and it was it was great. It just ended up being super long, so <laughs> it was like how, how yeah, do you like cut yeah. it down and everything? So yeah, yeah, I remember listening to it. It was really good content. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, maybe one so, day. I mean, like this whole yeah. uh, being like COVID's really forced people to do this stuff over like you know like zoom meetings and stuff like that like i think you know maybe it's in the cards later on or something like that it'd be cool mm-hmm. yeah so. yeah yeah so so chris tell our audience who you are what you do you're not a pastor no nope. you're not a former drug addict that had this amazing <laughs> not yet amazing <laughs> which by the way i also should me- <laughs> i should also mention that the pastor of your your parents church the church you grew up in is also the pastor of our my last guest, Liz Liz Gagnon. So that's another little connection. But uh, so, but anyway, with all that said, tell just briefly, and then we'll kind of get into some of the more meaty content here. Uh, who are you? Where have you been? What are you doing? Where do you live? All that type of stuff. Yeah, I, you know, it's funny you mentioned the Liz thing. You had texted me this past week that it was like a you know a big hit, like really downloaded. I'm like, great, you know, mm-hmm. thanks for having me on after you're like show. Like, follow that, you know. But um, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I grew up in uh, Lemonster, Massachusetts, um, my whole life. I lived at my parents' house until I was 30, which is, uh, <laughs> yeah, was brutal, but, That's uh, fun, you know, like, fun. yeah, no, I love, and you know what, my parents, I love them. They're, they're awesome. And, mm-hmm, um, they are, you know, like I, I was kind of a, you know, just very practical and I was like, it's too expensive to not live with my parents, you know, like a lot of millennials, mm-hmm have that, um, <laughs> that problem, you know? So, uh, yeah, I grew up in Lemonster, Massachusetts, uh, lived there basically my whole life. Um, went to, um, you know, my denominations like, uh, you know, school, um, next town over in Lancaster, Massachusetts. So I went elementary school, high school and college all in the same town <laughs> right next to my hometown. So it was, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I, I had a pretty strong community there and, you know, honestly, I never thought I would leave uh, Massachusetts. Um, love it. You know, huge, you know, sports fan, obviously growing up with you guys and like, you know, mm-hmm. just constantly, you know, being involved in that and just, you know, everything else that comes along with being in new England, love it. Um, but I feel like God kind of had other plans. I, so like I, I graduated college in like 2005 and um, kind of kicked around, didn't have any really serious jobs. Um, I worked at a car dealership for like two years. And then um, basically after that, my, my brother, uh, right during 2008, obviously no one was selling any cars in 2008 mm-hmm. uh, when the financial crisis hit. So my brother had gotten a job, um, you know, in a warehouse and uh, he kind of just said like, hey, come work with me. I'm already here. And, uh, I jumped in and, uh, I had a college degree, so I kind of just like worked my way up within the company, um, you know, and kind of did the corporate America thing. And with, with that, like I was offered a job down in Philadelphia, um, you know, and, uh, along the way, you know, I should mention that obviously I married the love of my life, uh, Crystal, there you, go. Yes. uh you know, like that's, uh, you know, a big detail, but, um, mm-hmm. you know, so and I'm not going to guess how many years we've been married because, like, that's the worst possible thing to try to do on the spot. But um, well, I'm trying to remember now because I I 
took the pictures at your wedding. Yeah, I. That was awesome. Yeah, no, I'm I'm bad. I'm horrible. <laughs> and Crystal will laugh at this, but like, she'll know it's no big deal because like I do this all the time. But yeah, like I I definitely don't know off the top of my head, and I could probably do the math, but I'm not gonna. It, it would have been this month though, September, right? Uh, it's the end of August. Can we at least get that? It's the end of August. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Which, thanks for putting me on the spot. That was a tough one right there. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, oh man. Um, but, uh, Uh, but yeah, so, uh, me and Crystal moved down to Philadelphia and, you know, God kind of worked that whole thing out. Um, I actually lived in my grandmother's house. It was the house my father grew up in, which is hilarious because I always joke about the fact that like I literally left my house uh, of Massachusetts to live in a house that like I had known my entire life in Philadelphia, you know? So it's like, you know, real homebody. But uh, yeah, so did that, got to Philly, uh, did well with the company. Uh, They closed that plant down. They asked me to um, come up to New York. Um, They were opening a new building. And uh, so... Uh, moved up here with Crystal uh, about uh, last July. We had our son Jonas, um, which has been mm-hmm. amazing. Really, really fun. Mm-hmm. Um, being mm-hmm. a dad, well, probably the the best thing in my life, mm-hmm. you know, at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, so many different things. But God's really just always been a part of my life, and I've always felt His um, calling and. Just along the way, all the doors that were opened um, to do all the moving and, um, you know, all those things, like I really felt impressed that God wanted me to be where I was. And, um, you know, I think that's the important thing. I think like feeling like you have a mission or a purpose to be where you are, that's, Mm -hmm. you know, that can be like probably the most important thing going on in your life. I think Uh, Mm -hmm. not feeling like you have a mission or a purpose is probably you know, you could have the job, you can have the money and all that. And it's just, you know, doesn't really mean anything in my opinion. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man, I have to say that you and Crystal have, Camille and I talk about this all the time. One of the cutest kids on the planet. It's, it's definitely, <laughs> definitely you're, you're right up there at the top of the list. Yeah. He's, uh, well, <laughs> It was, it's funny. Cause like we always talk about how like my family has really cute kids, but her family has really like good looking adults. So like, we're hoping to <laughs> put the two together, you know, maybe. And, uh, you know, uh, but yeah, he's, funny. he's living up to be, uh, the Ergang, uh, kid, um, you know, cuteness <laughs> factor for sure. In my opinion. There you but, go. Yeah, yeah, for sure, man, for sure. So, um, tell me, you and I were kind of exchanging some texts after that that podcast with Liz, um, just kind of some of the things she said about growing up, you know, in a Christian home and especially, you know, more specifically in our particular faith community, the Seventh-day Adventist church, um, which some might see as a little more conservative or strict or traditional. Uh, what was your experience like being like as a, as a kid on up, up into high school into adolescence, um, what was your experience like in that regard? Um, was it a good experience, a bad experience, indifferent, um, boring, you know, whatever adjective yeah. you want to use? I, you know, I, I loved my childhood. I had a great childhood. You know, my parents mm-hmm. like totally like loved us, I think. And I think the amount of involvement we had in our church was just constant, like, you know, pathfinders, you know, choirs, bands, you know, all that type of stuff. I think, you know, 
you can't really ask for more. You know, I think I grew up in a middle class, you know, home and community and I would say, you know, somewhat sheltered, but you know, I had, I had neighbors that were like my age, you know, similar to like, um, Adam and Tim in your neighborhood or whatever, Mm -hmm. you know, like Mm -hmm. played sports constantly with my neighbors and like rubbed elbows with, you know, non-Adventists and, um, Mm -hmm. non-Christians even. And, uh, you know, played, uh, I played a ton of baseball actually. And like, so I had a ton of exposure to, you know, the more, um, you know, worldly elements. I played that all the way through like high school. So like Mm -hmm. played in town leagues and stuff like that. So, um, you know, I think, you know, always being exposed to, um, that stuff kind of the sheltering wasn't like, you know, all encompassing, I would say like some, some people have it, um, which I think led to not rebelling as much. And I think, you know, my parents were very good about like (sighs) understanding the things that really mattered. I think like, you know, like my mom allowed me to dye my hair blonde in high school, which is like, (laughs) you know, if you're a millennial, you get that, you know, but like, you know, like that was a certain thing, like maybe 20 years ago, you know, but, um, Mm-hmm. you know, like stuff like that. Like it wasn't like, Oh man, like you gotta be like this perfect, you know, like kid that, mm-hmm. you know, doesn't look like the world or doesn't do any of those things, you know? And I think, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. uh, you know, like even as like a, a teenager, you know, before I was 18, you know, like my parents let me, you know, try to eat meat, you know, like, which in, <laughs> you know, within our denomination mm-hmm. is not, necessarily um some it's not a hard fast rule but you know a lot of people don't Mm -hmm. do that and so Mm -hmm. i think like they kind of were instilling in me like hey like you know um make choices and the things that matter matter and the things that don't may still matter you know some some way down the road but like Mm -hmm. make those decisions at those times you know so Mm -hmm. i think Mm -hmm. you know my childhood um you know well sheltered in some respects was very um you know, immersive into the world and people. I think people have been like the biggest love of my life. You know, like I, I just really enjoy people and conversation. And, um, I think that kind of, um, upbringing that my parents gave me, was really the reason for that. You know, I just enjoy people. And so I think, you know, within, within our community, I think, you know, kind of getting back to what you're talking about, I think like, you know, what Liz had talked about and kind of what we discussed is that like, you know, within, um, more conservative Christianity, obviously there is a fear factor involved. Um, Mm -hmm. and as a, as a young kid, I remember going, um, to net 98. Yeah. So, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, you know, and I remember that vividly. I still remember like where we sat in the church, you know, each night. And like, I remember like, learning about Daniel and Revelation and how, you know, things were really coming to an end, you know, and I think as an Adventist youth, you know, I know like, uh, or even, you know, conservative Christian, you you start to feel like, okay, well, you know, I know this is coming, but like, I haven't even done anything yet. You know, like I haven't had a girlfriend. I haven't, you know, like, (laughs) you know, driven a car yet. You know, I haven't done all these things and it kind of had this like, you know, not that I would love the world more. It's just like, you get this feeling like, oh man, like there's so much on the line. And, um, you know, I think it can lead a lot of people to, um, kind of feeling like, um, 
you know, like it's just very fear-based, I guess, is what we talked about. And yeah. Um, yeah. That's a real bummer to me, honestly. Like mm-hmm. I think um, mm-hmm. there's so much in the Bible that is based, you know, is just telling the story of love the entire time. And then for us to kind of extrapolate, you know, fear or to like really emphasize the fear portion of it, um, you know, I think that's a, that's a real big bummer, you know, and um, not that there's, yeah. you know, there's no room for, um, you know, serious thought or action, you know, but, you know, as a young person that can be a really heavy burden to carry, you know? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. So, so by the way, for those who may not be familiar with what net 98 was, that was a huge event. Um, that was like a satellite TV series of meetings that was broadcast from Michigan, Berrien Springs, Michigan, one of Seventh-day Adventism's most popular preachers uh, did it. Um, and uh, yeah, so it was like a huge thing. Everyone tuned in and it was supposed to bring people into the church and so forth. And and uh, yeah, it was really cool for, for that time. And But at the same time, like you say, it kind of has the ability, we'll put it in those terms, yeah. to give people some some unnecessary fears when we when we talk about some of those prophetic ideas there's a there's a time and a place to talk about those but and i'm not saying that the preacher who's a good friend of mine dwight nelson didn't present them in the right way but um it's always the danger of uh like scaring people into the church yeah, I don't think his main objective was that, and I don't think that's what you're saying. But I, I think like mm-hmm. as a young person, um, you like your first reaction sometimes can be, you know, like worst case scenario, you know. And I think that's, it's not what he was presenting, you know. I don't think, you know, I would have to go back and watch it again. But I think like just as a young yeah, person, yeah. it's just the reaction maybe I had, you know, like, and I still enjoy, you know his, his talks and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. I don't think mm-hmm. he's, you know, like trying to push fear on people or anything yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah. You know? No, for sure. For sure. So I, I wanted to ask you this because Chris, I think you are a classic example of a, we're going to still call you a young person. <laughs> I know that the older we get, the young, the older, the younger generation <laughs> gets because it's like, yeah, eternal youth here. But, um, <laughs> You are somebody that loves Jesus. You love the Bible. You love, um, you love the Seventh Day Adventist theology. You love all that. But would it be accurate to say that you're one who doesn't necessarily love, quote unquote, the way we do church normally? Yeah. I mean, I tell would... me a little bit about. Yeah, you're you're in yeah. upstate New York. Yeah. You got you went from a, a an enclave where there was all these churches you could probably choose from to this little tiny you know, nothing against the people there either, but um mm-hmm. tell me about that transition and yeah what you see. It, it, you know, it's it's I mean it it was interesting because, you know, growing up I didn't ever think like, oh, there's something wrong with the way church is going and I I still, you know, I still subscribe to everything that you say on Mission Lab and all the stuff that you've been presenting um, to everyone. And I still think there's a place for that. I think 
there are people that will join a you know a mainline Christian church and they'll love it. It's what they grew up with. It's what they want. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm a big fan of like there could be a million ways to reach a million people. So when I talk about how I would like to see it done, it's not that I think that every church needs to be doing this. Um, Mm -hmm. But I do think that like, um, you know, going from just traditional church, I guess what I would say is like program oriented church, um, you know, to a church um, in Philadelphia that was probably, I want to say like, like 85% young people, like under the age of 30. Um, Hmm. yeah, like it was like, and all of the leadership under the age of 40, most likely, you know, in that, in that um, same church and, um, you know, doing church in a storefront in a really bad neighborhood in Philadelphia, like, like, um, (laughs) very bad. Um, and, uh, like, you know, at night when church would get out, it would be sketch, you know, for sure. And, um, So, you know, but like seeing that model and living in it, um, it it was different because I think as a young person growing up in the church, you kind of fall into this and it may not, it's probably not just young people, it's everyone. You can fall into this pattern where you feel like you go to this program every week and you're getting this spiritual high or you're spiritually filled um or not or not yeah or not for (laughs) sure um but um you can fall into that um mentality where kind of like every week you're getting your battery refilled by going to church but you're not really doing it on your own and you're not really seeking um god in in your personal life i think it's kind of like you know being like like it's kind of taking the place of a real uh, relationship with God, in my opinion, sometimes. And so mm-hmm. kind of when I went to Philadelphia, like the programming was, it was not, it wasn't horrible, but the community was vibrant. Like you had said, you know, it was like mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. looked forward to going to church every week because you were going to just be with all your friends and be with um, the people you liked being around. And um, it was a very um, community oriented church. So um, going from that to, you know, rural America or rural, you know, churches <laughs> are really sometimes hard places to be. Um, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes mm-hmm. they can fall into like, um, issues where like one family can kind of run or monopolize an entire church or, um, you know, there's just not that many members. So, you know, like someone like me, who is more of a background person who doesn't really want to, you know, dictate to other people what I want, you know, like I'm kind Mm -hmm. of one of those Mm -hmm. people that's a people pleaser. So, you know, I'm not going to get in there in a board meeting and be like, we need to be doing all these things that I want to (laughs) do. You know, like that's, that's definitely on me. And like, honestly, I don't want to walk into a church with 10 people that are really enjoying the programming and be like, well, you're doing it all wrong, you know, because like, really, mm-hmm. like, they're doing what they want, you know, but, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. it can be really interesting when, you know, the ceremony is so formal, and there's only 
six people there you know like it's like <laughs> like cue the holy 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 and i'm gonna walk up the middle aisle and then we're gonna do all the it's like dude there's only six people uh, here guys like let's just hang out and maybe we'll sit in a circle and talk about you know something mm-hmm. you know like um but you know if that's what people enjoy i you know i don't get much from it so i i feel I kind of have been more and more passionate about kind of what you've been putting out there. Um, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. recently, you know, there's a young couple here, uh, in our area that we've been, they just had a kid, they had a baby like six months ago. So what we've been doing is like meeting and doing like the Sabbath school lesson or yeah, that's a real, another Adventist term. We had a talk before and we're not supposed to just go full Adventist <laughs> here, but I'm doing a really bad job at that. But uh, you know, you're doing yeah, great. Yeah. You're doing so, great. <laughs> no, but we'll just do a Bible study, you know, like, um, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, we both have toddlers slash infants and it's kind of like, I remember, I think you did a, a episode with Camille, you know, talking about having kids at church and it like, mm-hmm. it's almost impossible. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't even yeah. understand how my parents did it, you know, bless, bless their hearts. But it's like, <laughs> how do you go to a church every week and make a, like a, a 12 or 14 month old kids sit through a program, you know, for an hour? <laughs> like, I don't, I, uh, I, don't, I mean, yeah. you know. That's I'm on my why, first kid, so I mean, you know, maybe yeah. by the third one we'd be all right. But that's probably why so many of us are traumatized over church. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like we were, we were like beat into submission when we were like 12 months to be quiet. Yeah, yeah. I, my, my mom. I'm just kidding for those. Your mom what? No, no, no. I was just gonna say my mom always tells the story like I was never bad two weeks in a row because I would just get a spanking like <laughs> every other week and I, like I had bad short term or like bad long term memories. So like uh, you know, just it would never be bad twice in a row. But like yeah, I I totally forget by the second uh, week, you know. So man, oh man, yeah. No, there you go. I mean, I'm I'm being a little facetious. I don't remember too many Sabbath spankings myself, but. um <laughs> That's because your dad but was no. preaching, Sean. <laughs> no, yeah, no, yeah, 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 no, true, true. No. no, so yeah, the struggle is real, man. I, I, I could not do if I was. I don't know what I would do if I was not the pastor. I would go insane. Mm. I go. I get myself in trouble because occasionally, I'm like tweeting stuff during, <laughs> like if I'm on vacation. Yeah. If I'm on vacation, um, and I'm going to a church, yeah. And, it's traditional. Yep. Oh man, it is so <laughs> hard. And I'll be like tweeting during it. Yeah. I'll, I'll be like, you know, there is nothing more inherently holy about boredom in church. Right. Right. And um, like, yeah, I've done that before and gotten in trouble. But um, <clears throat> that's why I'm off Twitter now. Yeah. One of the reasons, probably. Yep. No, but but um, it reminds me. I don't want to go too far down this 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 rabbit hole but what you were reminding me of was this this classic um old mainers bert and i i don't know you probably heard bert and i chris yeah I yeah I, don't, I know you have main connection yep um and uh and the story of this this guy who shows up to church one sunday and he's the only there's only two people in the pastor and the pastor's looking around what do i do what do i do what do i do and he he asked the parishioners and they said, Well, when the when the cow is hungry, you feed him or whatever it was. 
And so he stands up and he, he goes through this like 45 minute sermon. And at the end, the man in the congregation says, well, I didn't know you're going to give him the whole load. <laughs> uh, so nice. anyway, the, like, oh man, it cracks me up. Yeah. You go to these little churches, like with five people. I, and I pastored those types of churches and, um, man, it's like, ah. Oh. Anyway, we could go on yeah. for hours, but yeah. but I don't know why people think we have to do that. So 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 yeah, you deal with it. You you have a, a, another couple that you're kind of doing life with a little bit here, and it's making it somewhat bearable mm-hmm. to be. I mean, kind of in a rural environment. Um, man, that's a, that's a struggle though. So so what is your yeah? Like, how do you relate? Are you are you actively involved still in that local church? And you said there's literally like five people that go or, you know, there, I'd say like a heavy week would be like 12 to maybe 15 people. Like, Mm. um, what's the, what's the, what's the size of the community? Uh, you know, so I live, uh, right outside Port Jervis, New York. I want to say, you know, it's a decent sized town. It's got a couple grocery stores, you know, gas station, right. you know, okay. like a couple gas right. stations, you know, like we're not too <laughs> far, like from the beaten path. It's just more of like the neighborhood I'm in, you know, like I'm, I'm living on mm-hmm. like a dead end street with two neighbors, you know, you know, mm-hmm. um, a lot of woods around us and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. it's, mm-hmm. you know, bears. Oh yeah. Lots of bears, you know, but, uh, yeah. but yeah, so it's a decent sized town, you know, like, um, and there's multiple churches that are functioning, you know, non, um, you know, obviously not the denomination I'm a part of, but like, you know, there's, there's other churches that are, you know, working out in that area. And, um, you know, so there's definitely people that are interested or, you know, so it, could, it could be something. Yeah, no, like I, I, you know, when I first went to Philadelphia, it took us probably, uh, like four or five months to maybe find the church we ended up at. And, you know, I did struggle when we got there to kind of like figure out like, God, you know, you brought me here and I've always been a part of a church and always been part of, you know, something bigger, um, you know, in relation to that. And so, you know, what are we doing here? You know, like, um, and that, and then like what we ended up with was such a vibrant experience that like i feel like you know god's kind of like all right well i'll make you wait a little bit longer maybe you know and (laughs) we'll we'll see if you hang on but you know i i think i see a lot of potential and i see like honestly if it's just you know the four of us and our kids and you know i i mean if the congregation size is the measure of success, I don't know, I guess we're failing, but I don't think that's how God looks at it, you know? So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So it's not, it's not necessarily the size as it is just the, the atmosphere mm-hmm. and the direction and the, and the vision or lack thereof. And yeah, this, mm-hmm. you know, we're not, we're not looking to dump on, on any particular no. congregation, but, and they're great um, people. Like, honestly, like, yeah, yeah, the church yeah, yeah, that yeah, we yeah. go to yeah. are amazing, you know? And, yeah. um, so yeah, I just want to say that. Yeah, yeah. 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 For sure. I I've, yeah, I've been a part of churches like that. Wonderful, wonderful people just, and this is not necessarily the case with you, but sometimes, um, 
limited in their capacity to see beyond the very narrow understanding they have. But um, yeah, anyway, so, so what do you think? Like, and this is not just a little church in New York. This is even a big church in Massachusetts or California um, may not be fully aligned with the mission of God. Um, you know, how do we get there and how do we get on God's mission and experience, you know, like greater alignment with authentic spiritual expression? What do you think? Well, I think the thing that I've found, um, is asking questions is a really good idea. Um, mm-hmm. the thing that mm-hmm. I've found, um, you know, with a lot of my friends that are even my age is that they've been doing the traditional church and, um, you know, they don't really understand, you know, that there's something else out there. And sometimes when you present them with like, well, what if, you know, Mm -hmm. what if there wasn't an hour long sermon and what if, you know, like the Bible study and the community and like the potluck are the main event, you know, like what if, mm-hmm. what if the people mm-hmm. are the main event? And, mm, you know, yeah. I think those questions like go a long way. I think I've seen a lot of my friends, you know, I've talked to them but more and more about it. And I think for a long time, you know, we've just accepted what we do as that's what church is. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, I think that's, that's a really uh, scary thing, honestly, because I think like, you can ask people like, well, why do we do this? And it's just like, well, cause that's what church is. And it's like, well, I don't know about that. You know, <laughs> I gotta, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like there's so many questions that I feel like you can ask people that will get them to think more critically about these things. And I think the goal of that would just be to be, are you happy with your church experience? You know what I mean? Like, I think, Mm -hmm. you know, like what I said before, I think there are people that will be completely happy in that environment and, you know, that's great for them. But, you know, I think there, you know, our church and, and a lot of churches have a really hard time retaining young people. And I think a part of that is just because like, it's really about like, well, when you come of age, it's kind of like, well, you know, do you want to get involved? And like, okay, yeah, I'd like to get involved. Like, so you want to do the scripture reading this week? <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> like, uh, uh, well, yeah, I could do that. Uh, you know, like, yeah, is that, you know, it, but like, <laughs> like, uh, you know, and, oh, and I think another conversation I've had with people is like, you know, our, our, our thoughts on like evangelizing and like bringing people into the church, like, that's looked at as like a a success story, right? Like if I can get someone to come to this program every week with me, then, you know, that's a success. And like, yeah, I think there's going to be a lot of people in heaven that are like, you know, there because someone invited them to a program, you know, like, but Mm -hmm. at the end of the day, Mm -hmm. like retaining members, like I've been a part of churches my whole life and I've seen people come in, you know, through programs, you know, like we were talking about net 98 earlier, you know, like just evangelical endeavors, you know, like to get people into the doors and then everyone's excited when these people get baptized. And then like, you see these people sitting alone every week and, Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. you know, like 
I've even like, you know, like heard people like, oh, like what's that guy's name? You know, like it's like there's like a yeah, hundred yeah. people here. Like you don't know everyone's name. Like that's, you know, yeah. and I fall into that too. But like, um, you know, when me and Crystal got married. One thing I really started to do was stay after church, you know, like that's a really funny mm-hmm, thing mm-hmm. to say. But like mm-hmm. I, we didn't stay there for potluck all the time or anything like that. But like, you know, like don't be ushered out of the church, you know, maybe stick it out, like talk to the people around you, maybe like get to know someone, maybe, you know, like, um, create relationships. And I think that's kind of at the core of what you've been talking about for this whole time is like relationships and people, you know, and, um, you can function in that capacity. I think in a traditional church by being that person, that is interested in genuinely interested in like your fellow members and people that are there. Um, you know, I think that's a huge ministry, like just talking to the people that you don't see anyone else talking to and, and, and being, you know, there for them. Um, because without the relationships, people will stop coming. I mean, I've seen it so many times, like I said, and yeah, you know, that personally, you know, I grew up, you know, in church where like there was not a Sabbath or, you know, like where my parents didn't invite someone to our house, you know, like, yep. And most of the time it was someone that did not go to our church. It was someone that was either Mm -hmm. traveling or, um, Mm -hmm. you know, just from a different church or whatever, you know? And like, honestly, like, I think that, you know, when I think about missional community and all the stuff that you've been talking about for so long, it's it's funny because I think like your family and my family, it, it's not that, you know, like we had the missional community, like church, um, you know, model. I think we just like we're living. Yeah, yeah we were just more yeah. living it. And, um, you know, Absolutely. I think I think learning from your family, you know, I've spent countless Friday and Saturdays at your house and. I feel like, you know, your family really, you know, took our family in, adopted our family, you know, like my parents didn't mm-hmm. grow up Adventist or, you know, within the church that we belong to. So, you know, like to take them who were a young couple who just got baptized and then, you know, really invite them into your life. Like I'm here because of that, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So I think that's the beauty of what you've been talking about and kind of what my thought process is, is like, at work, I'm a problem solver, you know, like I get, you know, I get paid to solve problems. And like, when I look at the problems that face our church and at, you know, most churches actually, it's just like, we're losing people because we're not connecting with them in my opinion, you know, like if you're mm-hmm. connecting with people, there's a reason to stay. Um, so I don't know, I guess, I guess I'm looking at, I think, you know, when we talk about like, is this, you know, how would you do it on a local level and how would you do it on a global level? Like, I think like doing it on a local level is the only way to do it because you can only like, there's no way to globally do this. Everyone has Mm -hmm. to just make a commitment Mm -hmm. to care about other people, you know, in my opinion, Mm -hmm. um, and Mm -hmm. really just live out the gospel in my, you know, so it's like, Mm -hmm. I don't know. I, I just see it as like, it's, it's got to start with us, you know, start with, um, people and, um, in the pews and, and, you know, go from there. I don't know. Yeah, no, that's good. That's really well put. I, yeah, a couple of things come to mind. You know, you mentioned 
Oh yeah. You want to get involved, do a scripture reading. Um, <laughs> that's so well, but I, I, one of my favorite lines in anything I've read, um, on missional stuff is, is from a guy named the name of Caesar Kalinowski. He, in his, in one of his books, he says, um, is this the highest goal for most of my Christian <laughs> friends to become an usher in the church building <laughs> to someday ush with the best of them? <laughs> uh, you know, God bless the ushers, but um, that is not, you know, our particular denomination has something called total member involvement. Like that's the big goal is to get all members involved. It's like here, passing out a bulletin, yeah. you know, being an usher, like, that's it. It all revolves <laughs> around putting on a program in a building. Yeah. Uh, and I, I you know, you. I want to interject though. Like I think <laughs> our church, even though it was traditional, like my home church in Massachusetts, I want to give a shout out to um, Alan Wilmot, who was the, um, hmm. he was the head elder. And I came mm-hmm. back to the church. I kind of had taken like a little bit of a break in my early twenties. I just was like, kind of like a, I wasn't out there partying and going crazy, but I kind of just like church wasn't my biggest thing. No, no. Yeah. (laughs) That was your moment to come in with your big story. (laughs) Yeah, I know. (laughs) You're making entrance. Yeah, there you go. But you were were out. You weren't. It was kind of like you were apathetic. Yeah, yeah. And so I kind of came back to the church and I was really like, no, you know, and like kind of in all the wrong ways, you know, of course. But um, you know, mm-hmm. Alan like created, like we had never had an AY at our church and he just mm-hmm. created it and was like, Hey, you're going to be the AY director. And like, what's AY Chris? Oh yeah. Advent youth. So uh, sorry. Yeah. Okay. That's all right. Sorry. Right. Sorry. Right. So, yeah. So he created this thing that our church had never had before. And, um, it's not, you know, just created out of thin air. Like it's a thing, but um, I didn't really put on any programs. I just kind of helped facilitate the youth department at, at my church and it gave me a board position and um, let me be a part of like kind of the the church as a whole and feel like I was mm-hmm. um, kind of like a shareholder, you know? And mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. I really do appreciate there, like while I have been involved in traditional churches and we're talking a lot about how they're failing there are people within these churches that are doing God's work in my opinion and that are yeah, absolutely. faithfully like bringing us along with them. Um, mm-hmm. when I say us, mm-hmm. I mean the younger generation. So mm-hmm. I really do like a hundred percent thank people like him who mm-hmm. saw it necessary mm-hmm. to create a position, even though, mm-hmm. you know, like we, we talked about like, you know, like we were joking about the, the whole like uh, scriptural reading part, but like to do that, when, you know, like maybe I wasn't the most deserving person, but he saw like, Hey, if I don't involve this person and, and get a way to keep him here, you know, like we could lose him again, you know? So I, you know, I do want to just give a shout out to those people that are there. Yeah, that's good. And that are, you know, yeah. So I, I've, I have, I, I hope over the last three years or whatever, it's been that we're doing this podcast a little less black and white on, you know, my, my opinion of quote unquote traditional approaches. Um, so yeah, I, yeah, I don't think it's a matter of traditional or contemporary. Um, cause a lot of times what we're talking about when we say traditional is we're focused on what happens in the program 
And really, it's it's really not that significant what does happen on a, a Saturday or Sunday morning mm. gathering. Um, what is most important is what are we doing outside of those hours? And yeah, are we connecting? Are we in relationship? Are we in community? Are we discipling one another? Are we incarnating the gospel in the world? And if you're doing those things, like have at it, you know, whatever, mm-hmm. you, whatever, you, whatever you feel called to do on, on Saturday or Sunday morning to me is to some degree, like immaterial, what goes on there. Um, mm-hmm. so long as it's not like explicit, like idol worship or whatever, that's, <laughs> you know, I'm not in favor of that just to be clear. Um, so yeah. So anyway, we could, we could unpack this more, but I, I, I think what you're saying, like, my family, your family, in some ways they like ruined me in a good way Mm -hmm. because like my parents are some of the most relational people on the planet. Mm -hmm. Your parents, I know, have both given and received and to this day, they still vacation together and all that. Mm -hmm. Um, But, but like that kind of ruined me because so, so I can't like enjoy program centered, non-relational church life. And it's been a real struggle for me, honestly, as a pastor, um, being a part of churches that are not as relational and we, you know, we try to give it, but it takes a lot of work to change a culture. So, mm-hmm. uh, it's a blessing and a curse. Yeah. I, I agree. have such an insatiable desire for deep, rich community. Mm-hmm. And, um, Like I said, I think that's right, but it also kind of makes it difficult when you're not seeing that as much. But um, so I want to kind of maybe this would be the last question. It's like (laughs) some might think it's kind of like a bombshell question (laughs) and or a a very um, a very extreme sharp turn. Mm -hmm. But I don't think it is because I, I think. One of the challenges we see as well, especially within, we'll say, non-religious contexts like the Northeastern United States is, New York, you know, Mass, Maine, and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, and you and I talk about this all the time. I mean, you and I text each other very frequently, mm-hmm. and um, we're talking about the the current political rhetoric Mm -hmm. within American Christianity. Mm -hmm. And you and I are both a little discouraged by, by the fact that it seems like, um, I, the, the gospel has been violated and, and violence has been done against it by kind of political, a certain political agenda and rhetoric that, has co-opted um, Christianity. Mm-hmm. So tell me about that, Chris. Where are you at with that, man? Yeah. Um, and you have you have you have 90 seconds to explain. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I can do it. <laughs> no. Yes. Um, no, go for it. <laughs> you know, I I struggle with it because I think um, you know, this the scariest part to me really I don't know. I talk about this, you know, like sometimes with my parents and stuff like that. And like, I, I was having a discussion with them the other night. And the thing that honestly kind of scares me the most is like, kind of like, or 
doesn't scare me, but like disconcerts me the most is mm-hmm. um, kind of like the persecution complex type stuff. You know, I think mm-hmm. as Christians, mm-hmm. we, were, we were actually talking about this during our Bible study uh, this past week where like Christians tend to think that if they're being persecuted, they're doing something right. <laughs> and um, <laughs> that's, that's the assumption, right? Yeah. It's like, oh man, like, there's a lot wrong with that ideology, in my opinion, you know, and I think like, I think what's been happening is, is that Christians have maybe forgotten that, um, you know, God is um, in control to some extent. But Mm -hmm. I would also say like, you know, I think, you know, when real persecution happens, that's going to be the hard part is to actually convince people that we are being persecuted because we've been um, talking about the war on Christmas. You know, it's like, <laughs> dude, no one's stopping you from celebrating Christmas. Yeah, I'm sorry. And just because yeah. like someone giving you your, your hot drink, hot beverage is not saying Merry Christmas to you is like, man, like America is really oh. going downhill, you know, like, oh, man, it's a slippery slope. Yeah, though, it is slippery slope. very slippery. Yeah. You know, so, um, you know, I think that like, if I'm looking at politics and stuff like that, I think that's the thing that honestly scares me the most, because I think that's what is leading Christians to kind of, um, maybe, um, start to rally around, very similar ideology where we're marrying church and state and we're doing mm-hmm. things that are mm-hmm. very much um, just scary to me. You know, I think mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I think the motif like that people always talk about, well, Jesus, you know, hung out with the sinners and stuff like that. Like I, I agree with that a thousand percent, you know, but like, I think, you know, people are very quick to add, well, yeah, but he didn't do any sinning either. And it's just like, well, you know, like, Mm -hmm. but like, should, did he also just like tell people that they can't, you know, possibly live out their life? No, he gave them free choice. You know what I mean? Like, and, Mm -hmm. and, you know, like he was always exemplifying, you know, what a pure life would be. And I think that was what made people change. But I don't think like the state then telling everyone that they need to pray or um, Mm -hmm, do other mm -hmm. things is a solution to what's happening in our country. You know, I think um, I just think those are the types of things that scare me the most is because I think, like I said, it's causing Christians to then organize around people that may not be Christian. Like if they're getting their way, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. then it's oh, well, you know, this is the end result that we're really looking for. But along the way, Mm -hmm. we're literally Mm -hmm. like, you know, just showing the world that really all we care about is us, you know, and and power. Yeah, power, um, which, you know, isn't really promised to us. Worldly Mm -hmm. power, Mm -hmm. you know, like is not something that Jesus said we would have, you know, like, Mm-hmm. You know, spiritual power, a thousand percent. Yeah, we're going to have power, you know, to um, do many things. But, um, you know, Jesus struggled the same exact stuff, in my opinion. You know, like, you know, the Jews thought mm-hmm. he was going to, you know, rid them of Rome. And he's like, yeah, no, I'm just offering you eternal life instead. If you want to mm-hmm. kind of go in that direction, <laughs> like, I'm here for mm-hmm. that. But, um, mm-hmm. you know, like, I'm not really here to, like, talk politics with you. You know, like, that. I don't think Jesus was there, you know, trying to. Um, you know, create 
I think he was doing the opposite. He was constantly going against political power and um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like the idea that political power would give the, the Jews anything other than what they were already experiencing, in my opinion. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's so hard to kind of like sum up what's happened in the last you know six to eight years Just, in American politics. Pick, uh, I was going to say pick a number. Four <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, well, you know, and I, I don't yeah. want to necessarily do that because I think I think, you know, like while what's happened in the last four years has been the culmination of kind of what's been happening for the last 10, you know, or, yeah, you for know, sure. I, mm-hmm. I don't know. I just think like to limit it to what's happened in the last four years, that is the like direct result of what's been happening for the last 10 mm-hmm. or 15, you know, yeah, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. It's good call. Yeah. So, um, yeah, man, it's, it is, you know, all of us have, to do a lot of self introspection and I am as liable to grasp for power when I can get it as anybody else. And I'm not perfect. So just somehow being so, so, um, saturated with the gospel Mm. that we, yeah, we don't play that game. Now, now I, I, I kind of been saying lately that the gospel is inherently political, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but it's not partisan. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think that's an Im- important distinction, but I, and, and, you know, I have conversations with friends, loved ones, family members all the time about these things. But what, what, what I just worry about more than anything is just how much the gospel is being marred in the hands of those of us who are the most overtly Christian, at least, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. what we say. Right. But then the way we, we, we act when, when we have power. And so, yeah, I mean, that's, you know, we, we talked about it a little bit here and we could go on for hours about that, but um, there is hope and that's, that's, that's good news. So. Yeah, I think um, I think one thing I would add is kind of like, you know, the thing that I see is like the United States has a two-party system obviously, and I think, you know, there's one party that's really been embracing Christianity as a voting block, and whenever mm-hmm, I see mm-hmm. that, that really just kind of gets me up because I just think like you know, if you're going to be broken down to a single issue voter or, you know, (laughs) anything like that, like, I think you're really just settling for compromise actually, because like, Mm -hmm, if mm -hmm. you're a single issue voter, like you're really not looking at the broader picture, which Mm -hmm. I think, you know, there's so many issues out there to say that like this one issue encapsulates what this person is Mm -hmm. and what their values are. I think that's where you get into a lot of trouble. I think that's like, Mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. and I'm not saying like there's a wrong party to vote for or anything like that. I think like people are free to make their own choices. I think that the the thing that just sketches me out is a lot of Christians are willing to break it down to one specific thing that Mm -hmm, they're looking mm -hmm, for. mm -hmm. And I think what it's led to is people maybe choosing people that are very unsavory you know, to like we were talking about, just to accumulate political power to enact, you know, the the things that they believe are correct, uh, and kind of mm-hmm. get everyone else to like jump on board. And I think that's, you know, that's the environment that I, I think like once 
you know, the church or Christianity as a whole starts to really take on like a political um, bent to it or, or whatever, you know, I think it just, that's when the scary stuff, in my opinion, will start happening, you know, in terms of like, I just think that like humans have never been good with power or political power, Mm -hmm. you know, like, Mm -hmm. you know, there's very few like career politicians that you can look at and like not see, you know, any kind of problem with what they did for their entire life, you know? And so like Mm -hmm. the more you're in power, the more power you have, the more, you know, like I think that it will go to your head and the more Mm -hmm. you'll think that you are, you know, as you know, uh, uh, you mm-hmm. know, maybe better than you are. So I think, you know, I think that Christians just constantly clamoring for more and more political power is that's, that's scary to me. Like, you know, our main focus should be souls and, you know, and people and community like we've been talking about. So when Christians are obsessed with power, that's, I feel like you're moving in the wrong direction, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, we, you know, the, the universe is run by a power giving, power sharing mm-hmm, God, mm-hmm. not a power grabbing God. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, that's uh, so incredibly important to remember. Um, but, yeah. Well, Chris, listen, I've I've enjoyed our time and uh, thank you for coming on. It's been really good and and uh, I'm sure we could talk for <laughs> many hours more. Um, but. Thanks for being on with me and thank you for doing the sound editing um, all these many years. It's been really appreciated. And uh, every once in a while, of course, I will bother you in the middle of the night and say, hey, can we get that over? But you've been really, really good. And especially considering the very low wages that I paid. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, like, I, I, you know, I really appreciate you having me on and I think like, you know, what you're doing here is just so important. I think just, um, you know, one thing that I would say is just like this stuff reaches so many people and, um, you know, I, I just pray that like it would really, you know, be a big thing in people's lives and, you know, it's not going to be for, you know, for everyone, but I think like there are people that this ministry will like definitely touch. And I, I thank you for, you know, sacrificing your time and, time with your family, which is huge, you know? So I think, uh, it's a really great ministry you're doing here and I'm excited for it. Thank you, Chris, man. Couldn't do it without you. Appreciate it. Thanks for coming on. And, uh, thank you listener for tuning in. We'll catch up with you next time on mission lab. Thank you for listening to mission lab. Our theme song is Portland hike by Tiny Music. Additional editing by Chris Ogay. Follow us on Twitter at MLabPodcast. Podcast.